The title of the talk this morning is Renewing Your Minds, What Will They Say? And so, specifically, we're talking about um, evangelistic, like, one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. Um, the notes are on page 47. And then my three main points, if you want to click to the first slide, um, like, why would we do an evangelistic Bible study on one-on-one -on -one versus, like, just, like, a small group Bible study, like, back at our campuses or other options? Um, what's, like, potential reactions that we have to having an evangelistic Bible study with another person and just like practicals, what could it look like and what are some of the goals that we're trying to achieve by studying with people one-on-one. -on -one. I can open us in prayer. Uh, dear Lord God, thank you for a crazy summer. Thank you for um, all the growth that we've seen, um, all the things that we've learned about and just the ways that we've um, grown closer to you and learned more about you and our walk with you. God, I pray that um, you'd be with me for my last talk. I'll, I'm excited to give it. I'm excited um, for an hour from now when I'll be done and then I can just relax for the rest of the summer and hang out with everyone. Um, I pray that um, you give me the words to say and that um, you'd work in lives this summer, even just the last week of project. And so pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so quick recap of where we've been for the second half of the summer. Um, the first talk that I gave this summer was um, renewing your mind, what do we think? Um, so basically going through some reasons why my personal worship training should at times be our personal worship training. Um, like, why, like why is it important to get into the word with like other believers? Um, and so some of those things that we were talking about, like fears of being discovered and not having like good enough thoughts or not feeling the truths of the gospel are not good enough reasons to not um, get in the word with others. But the thoughts that people have and even just revealing um, the things that we're putting our identity in are valid and really good reasons for getting in the word with others. And then two weeks ago, we talked about um, renewing your mind when joy is a fight and the idea of like pouring out our souls to God and community when we aren't feeling um, the truths of the gospel um, strong enough or going through a really hard time. But ultimately, it, um, but ultimately hoping in God and reminding ourselves of the gospel and the work that he did is what's going to pull us through when joy is a fight. And then last week I had talked about the short, sort of the sword of the spirit, and so fighting lies about sin and fighting sin by filling our minds with truth, and just some practical steps that fighting a sin is fighting sin practically is a really good thing, but it isn't what saves us. So that was a brief recap, and so kind of getting right into it, the first point, um, like why evangelistic Bible study. Um, so really straightforwardly, people are changed by the word of God. Um, we've talked a lot about this summer. We've talked a lot this summer about being made new and what it looks like to be made new. And one of the ways that, one of the main ways that God works um, through that is through his word. Um, Sterling, if you wanna hit the next slide. James 1.21 says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. If you're having a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with a non-believer, they're going to have a lot of assumptions about what the Bible has to say. They're going to have um, just like a lot of things to learn, a lot of things that they don't understand and having not understood the gospel. Um, one of the best ways for them to hear and understand that is um, for them to hear the word of God and have that, um, have them receive the implanted word of God and to save them soul, their soul. Another just brief reason why these are studying the Bible um, with a unbeliever or even just like a new believer that you meet on campus. Um, people are sanctified by the word of God, like we talked about last week. If you want to go to the next um, slide, Sterling. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. And so even as we think about like evangelistic one-on-one Bible studies, um, some of us are going back to Bethel and Northwestern. And not that everyone, not that all the freshmen or all the sophomores or anyone at these schools are all believers, but some people, some people fall into the category of maybe being a new believer. And so a method for like discipleship um, for either an unbeliever, a new believer, or um, somebody more mature in their faith, um, one thing that can be consistent between all of those is scripture, studying the scripture. Um, the new believer learns things about what the gospel is and what Jesus said and has an opportunity to either accept or reject it for themselves. Um, the new believer has an opportunity to be equipped and to be made into a more competent man or woman of God. Um, another just like very practical reason why we would want to, like why we would study like one-on-one with um, another person for this. Um, people are coming to investigate Christianity or maybe young believers in Christianity and have a lot of assumptions about what the Bible has to say and what Jesus said while he was here on earth. Um, and reading the Bible individually with them um, and kind of asking them questions like, what do you, do you think of the text or what do you think it's saying here? It reveals a lot of those assumptions. And in a one-on-one context, it's a lot easier to work through the misconceptions that they have, asking questions like, where do you find that in the text? And being able to, um, by knowing them well relationally, be able to address like um, where they're at personally, like spiritually, and where they are per- um and where they personally are with like different sets of assumptions that they may have coming into studying the Bible. And so I just have like a couple of reactions that we could have, um, depending on who you are, of um, wanting to do these one-on-one evangelistic or um, Bible studies with a younger believer. Um, kind of coming off of like Harvin's discipleship talk a couple of weeks ago, um, how can I disciple someone when I don't know how or don't feel ready? Um, You could be coming into this summer having grown up in the church but still not feeling like you know a whole lot or like you've had much experience with this before. And so what I would say is no one is ready. Like no one has like arrived or knows all the answers. I feel like all the time this summer like I'm asking questions or being asked questions about um, things about the Bible or even things about the schedule on project that I don't know the answer to. Um, And so being able to Um, act in humility and be honest and say, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to go find it and I'm going to bring it back to you. Um, You're going to learn yourself by going after and trying to figure out and asking people questions about um, the things that came up during the Bible study and also just like learning um, and maturing and intentionality and like being able to say, I'm going to go find it for you and actually following through on that is a good way for us just to grow in maturity as believers and as just as people in general. Um... Let's see. And I guess like one potential asterisk to this is while like no one is ready, there are like special circumstances. Maybe you just became a believer this summer or you're still like learning the basics of like your beliefs or the basics of like what the gospel is. And so there may be a case to be made that um, maybe you don't know or know how to iterate the Bible or the gospel super explicitly. But I would say to like that situation, to talk to a room leader, a team leader, or a staff member who could kind of walk you through, okay, like given like where you are, like what could 
like a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with another student look like? Maybe it just looks like um, going and initiating a Bible study with like another peer so that you both can grow and that you would kind of be a leader in that just by initiating and kind of being like, here's when we should meet and um, when that could look like. But bring your community in and don't just say, I'm not ready so I will not go out and study with anyone. Um, and maybe you know you can do it, but you're nervous and don't have any experience, and it just sounds intimidating to walk up to someone new or even just like a fresh relationship and be like, hey, let's study the Bible one-on-one. -on -one. You may be asking questions like, I've never done this before, or I don't know what we should study, or how do I lead this thing? Um, and one thing is like, you'll never learn how to lead a Bible study or um, initiate to someone to study one-on-one -on -one with them if you don't just go out there and do it. Um, most of the time we learn by experience and kind of going through a talk like this and having kind of points of like how to study the Bible with someone isn't what's actually going to prepare you for studying with someone one-on-one. -on -one. It's going out there and doing it and it's going out there and potentially failing and making a fool out of yourself. And that's a good thing. And just like an example of this is like evangelism on the beach. Like this first week, everyone was nervous. I know I was nervous. I was nervous last week too. But um, like it was nerve wracking. We didn't really know like how to make small talk with um, visitors on the beach and like how to transition like into the bridge diagram. But like over the course of the summer I've seen and like other people have noticed too, like people are a lot more excited to go on the beach. They're a lot more confident. They know like how to engage with people and how to, um, ask questions that would kind of drive conversations towards Jesus and towards the gospel. Um, and that was done just by having awkward conversations and conversations that maybe we're, we were embarrassed of, but we learned from them and we move forward in that. And so that's like a kind of just a practical way. Another practical way is giving talks this summer. Um, before this summer, I didn't know how the frick to give a talk or write a talk. Um, but like this summer, I've been learned and pushed. I've kind of, we all kind of get thrown into the deep end with stuff like this. Um, it doesn't always feel like the most helpful way or the most comfortable way to go about it, but pushing outside of our comfort zones is like something to help us like grow in maturity. And then kind of the second point under this, or second sub point under this category is coming off of Harmon's missions talk. Um, he talked a lot about going. He talked about a lot about like what would it look like for students to give their lives away for two years after college? Um, what if all of us went for two years, either went on staff for two years or went to China to teach English for two years? Um, like how would the world look different? And maybe you came off of that talk being really excited and being like, man, that sounds awesome. Like two years isn't that big of a deal. I'm gonna be working for the next 50. Keep me out of the office as long as I can. Um, but like we may not, we just still aren't necessarily ready to go yet. Um, practically the call to go isn't gonna happen in one big leap. And so like, how do you expect to go overseas or on staff or whatever it may look like when you're not willing to go across the hall and just initiate to a friend or even somebody who's um, a couple of years younger than you in school. And so I think like as Harmon was talking about ways that we can give our lives away like while in college um, to younger, um, younger students or even to peer students who aren't as involved um, is a good way to continually be diligent to making those like baby steps as like we would consider like what God would have for us like post-college. Um, and just like as another thing, I think like evangelism isn't something that's limited to like Wednesday afternoons. 
and like our coworkers at Walmart during the last two weeks of project. I think Mitch McGee, like when we were coming off the beach this last week, he was like, I love Wednesdays. Every day is Wednesday, guys. Every day is Wednesday. Um, and that's true. That's true at Project, but it's also true like back home. Evangelism um, as like should be a lifestyle for believers, and it's not like to be regulated to like short-term missions trips or just like while we're here at summer training project, which I know is like a way that I can like sometimes think when I'm like, I get into like a mode, I get into like a group of people, we're all thinking the same way. Um, and we're like, oh, like this is the thing that we do. We go out on the beach on Wednesdays. I'm kind of pushed by people and like, it's really helpful to have a community of people who um, want to share the gospel. Um, but as we like head back to school, like that doesn't change. Like the truth of like what evangelism should look like in our lives doesn't change just because we leave um, the chapel here this morning or we leave South Carolina. The truth of, about evangelism and about discipleship that we learned here at Project are just as applicable in Minnesota. And so then, like, what can this evangelistic Bible study look like? I know I hadn't studied the Bible, like, one-on-one with anyone two summers ago when I came to Project, and that summer people were initiating towards me and leading the, leading me in the Bible study, because, like, I had never really talked to people about stuff like this before. And so maybe you're sitting here like, that's kind of been me, like, I've been kind of led through this, like, how am I supposed to lead somebody else? Um, and so I kind of just have, like, some practical like ways that it could look to help you out. Um, to consider your audience, your audience will more than likely be an unbeliever or um, a new believer or somebody who's like young in their faith. Um, and so they may not be super familiar with the gospel or have a, um, a full developed context for what the gospel is. And so as a goal, like what is the, like this is like kind of like boiling down, like what is the goal of like these like studies for us? Um, it's bringing or leading your partner to the, a point where they better understand what the gospel is explicitly, and in the case of being an unbeliever, so that they have the opportunity to either accept or reject the gospel for themselves. As for what should we study, there's 66 books. Do we just open to a random page? No, I think that's a bad idea. Um, so kind of in light of that, like being a new believer or a younger believer, or an unbeliever, excuse me, um, any of the Gospels are obviously great. Studying the teachings and the life of Jesus are going to like produce questions about um, was this man like who he actually said he was and what are the implications that he has for our lives. Um, specifically, Mark is really helpful because it's a little bit shorter. There's like a lot of like good eight-week studies, um, so it can be less intimidating to be up to go up to someone and say, "Hey, like let's study through Mark. I have eight eight weeks, eight times. We just sit down and get coffee for like forty minutes." half an hour, um, and we can walk through Mark. And so that's like a less intimidating way as opposed to saying, let's study the Bible together until an ambiguous amount of time in the future or when I stop texting you. Um, also, as another option, um, John is a really good book. It's a little bit different than the other um, three Gospels. It has like some accounts that aren't present in the other ones. And so if you're, um, if the person that you're studying with has, um, been a part of the church before, there may be some narratives in there that they haven't encountered before because John just kind of ha- like just shares like different accounts of like um, Jesus's stories about Jesus. And so, like, what are some like brief tips as I'm wrapping up here? Um, I would say like one, um, don't assume anything. Don't assume what's to do, right, guys? Now I'm saying it to the guys too in the room. But we're talking about like people. Um, 
don't assume that they have an understanding of like what the gospel is. When we go out on the beach, we talk through like what the, what the terms are for Romans uh, 6.23. Like what is a wage? What is sin? What is death? What, is, what, like, what do those words mean to people? They can, people come in from a lot of different perspectives and backgrounds. And so um, even if they're at a Christian campus or maybe they say they've been to church a few times if they go to the U or St. Cloud, um, don't assume that they know what words like sin, gospel, grace, or like reconciled mean. Um, and so just to think, just to be thinking for like while you're studying, like they may not understand this. And so we will want to like define our terms um, with people like how we do on the beach. Um, and kind of in that same vein of not assuming um, on the beach, like we've talked about, like people are like, oh yeah, I'm a believer. I go to church. I do like, I listen to the sermon on Sundays. Um, like I'm a believer and they may or may, may very well, maybe, um, but sometimes like people can have like a head knowledge of like what these things say. Like maybe they've studied through the gospels and they're like, oh, I know I've heard like, um, the parables that Jesus has shared, but not to take that as like a reason to skip them or to skim over them or to be like, oh, we've read this before. Um, Reed talked about, I think in his second talk of the summer, um, about connecting the head to the heart. And so people may have like a head understanding of like what Jesus had to say, but it may not have penetrated their hearts and they may not realize that um, like they're a sinner and that Jesus's words are like speaking very directly to them. And so kind of all of those points kind of fall into the category of like don't assume about people. And then kind of as a practical for like while you're actually sitting down and talking to this person, like try to stay rooted as much as possible in what is the text like actually saying. Sometimes like when we study the Bible one-on-one -on -one with people, and I've been guilty of this too, like I've done this exact same thing, like as we're reading the text, kind of starting to rabbit trail a little bit and be like, oh, this reminds me of a time when um, such and such happened, or when you ask them a question about what they think or feel about the text. Um, they begin to just kind of like ramble or talk, just like thoughts that are kind of like, okay, that's cool. I don't really understand like how that relates to what Jesus or what Paul or whatever um, book that you're reading has to say. Um, and so sometimes like also like those rabbit trails can kind of like reveal some of the assumptions and some of the perspectives that they have um, coming into studying the Bible, which may not actually be accurate to what the Bible has to say. And so, Kind of like to bring, kind of as a way to like draw like those conversations back to what the Bible has to say. I mean, just some simple questions like, oh, like how did you come to that conclusion? What part of the text makes you think that? Or how do you like, how do you like, how does like what Jesus said or what Paul has to say like um, make you think that? And so that can almost just reveal um, the ways that they're reading into the text as opposed to reading what the text actually says. And then kind of as my last practical, um, when people are studying, like people studying the Bible for the first time, like as an unbeliever or as a new believer who may not be like as familiar, it can be really helpful to kind of have a, have a context for the whole like meta narrative of the Bible, if you remember that term from my first workshop. Um, like the Bible isn't just like a big glob of pages that were written at all the same time. The authors in the New Testament, so like the disciples, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as they were writing the Gospels, or Paul, they all like knew what the Old Testament was, and so like, and they reference back to each other like all the time. And so understanding like 
that the Bible, like, not to say that you should sit down and like say this just all like at the beginning and just bombard them with information, but they may not have a context that the Bible like references itself and that makes sense because these books were written at different points along the timeline. And it can be helpful for them to know just the general, like what was, like what's the point of the Bible? Like what is like the main um, plot arc of the Bible? Like going back to like my first workshop, like God created people in his own image. Satan entered the picture and caused us to be enemies with God by tempting us to sin, and we fell into that sin. Um, sin is a powerful force and is very common. Um, there's a need of redemption because of that sin. And then Christ's life and sacrifice on the cross came to pay for those sins. And so just making sure that people like understand what the whole point of the Bible is um, can be helpful as they're studying for themselves or as the, you're studying through the gospel to be like, oh, like, what is the point that Jesus is trying to make here? 